The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yes, it is time for Common Ground and with me in the studio is Fine Gael Senator Regina Doherty and Socialist TD for Cork North Central and member of the Oireachtas Finance Committee, Mick Barry. You're both very welcome, guys. Before we kick off, our reporter, Quisha Connolly, has been out and about and she's been asking the people, is animal testing ever okay? I don't think so ever. Like, it's just like, they don't know what's happening and they're just animals. Like, also, like, how do we know? It's like, our bodies aren't the same as theirs, so we don't know exactly what the consequences are. I feel like uh, things like cosmetics, I mean, most of them are to be tested on humans because, you know, they have a lot more to do with what humans are going to do with them, actually. So I think it might be better to just test it on humans rather than testing it on animals because I don't think that's a very safe and uh, it's not very humane, to be honest. I kind of don't agree with it, but I'm not... I kind of don't know the whole facts inside and out, but I kind of don't like the idea that animals are getting used. I'm sure there are other ways they can do things. But unfortunately, I'm not an expert. I think a lot of brands now are emerging into not testing on animals because I think most people are avoiding it now because they're more like educated on it because when I was younger I thought they were just like putting it on their faces and making it cute but then you see all the videos and stuff it could be okay sometimes it depends on the animal that's all I can say about it I don't know I mean how dangerous is it I've, I've no qualification to answer that question really so you're not talking about a nice friendly dog or a cat or something like that no well okay rats maybe okay I might go with that alright <laughs> okay that was our reporter, Quisha Connolly, uh, asking people, is animal testing OK? And of course, we have TD Mick Barry and Senator Regina Doherty with us. Mick, is it ever OK? Well, I think it's always cruel. Uh, we uh, know now that last year, 17,000 animals in this country suffered a long-lasting moderate pain, suffering or distress or short-term or severe pain, up to and including death. Um. Might it be uh, necessary in a minority of cases um, for, you know, in order to save human life? I think that would be justifiable. But I think it's very clear that that is a small minority of what goes on. I won't ream off stats, but the, the number of tests done in this state last year, which were for medicinal purposes, was just one in six of tests on animals. Uh, and that less uh, the the number that were for human disorders would be a lesser number again. So most of this is um, not for medicinal purposes. Uh, you're looking at the likes of the cosmetics industry, and it's done for profit. It's cruel and it's wrong on that basis. It begs the question, Regina. What's the alternative? So. Um What's interesting about this topic for me this week is that I'm actually studying at the moment a master's in ethics and one of the modules in that master's is bioethics. And within our studies, excuse me, we've learned about something called Kipnis Taxomy of Research and there are seven different headings that make something under which the conditions for a participant in a research makes it ethical or unethical. And six of them absolutely would rule out any animal because they don't have the capacity to be able to either benefit from the research um, from a social perspective, from um, an allocation perspective, from a cognitive perspective. We don't even ask them, you know, so they they say no or they'd fail on six of the seven. And the seventh um, is medicinal. And as Mick said, 
um, when you go looking at the research that's been done um, by organisations or in a lot of cases universities on medicines for veterinary for animals it's actually tiny so the vast majority of um, tests that are done on animals are for uh, cosmetic companies when I looked at the, the top culprits is not probably not the wrong word um, we have Johnson & Johnson we have Revlon we have Procter & Gamble we have Estee Lauder like under God's name who needs to be testing lipstick, lipsticks or eyeshadows or, or even creams or retinols or whatever it is they're, they're testing on they don't need to do it on animals and so the ethics around you know medicine and research involves the participant being cognitive and agreeing to be participating uh, in the research, but making sure that they get something out of it. And so in some cases it's money. And But again, you have the cognitive ability to actually say, I'm going to give up my right arm, left arm or whatever it is with the research that involves to be a patron. Um, but you're doing it knowing that you're getting something out of it. Animals are not getting anything out of it. And the very, very few research that's done that actually looks at animal diseases is mini- it's minuscule in comparison to all of the ills that I would see um, in the pharmaceutical industry, the biochemical industry, even in the defence industry that uses animals for testing um, in what I would think are very unethical well, let's go to the one that's probably most easy to justify, whether or not any of it is justifiable, which is at the medicinal end of things. If you take something, Mick, like in the in the 60s, thalidomide, the, the um, drug that was given in turn to prevent um, severe morning sickness and that ended up with significant deformities in the, the children who were born to mothers who had been prescribed thalidomide. Is it not better that something like that be checked on an animal before it goes into the human chain? That's a good question. Um and I'm not sure what the answer to it uh, what, what the answer to it is. I mean, I certainly do know this that um, there were 120,000 tests done in this uh, state last year on animals. 550 were cancer research, right? So, uh, am I opposed to those tests for cancer research? How could I be? You know, I think you would have to say that. But what's what's coming through here fairly clearly, I think, is that that's very much a minority. I mean, a big industry in Ireland, I'd like to talk about this a little bit because I only learned about it today. A big industry in Ireland is the Botox industry, right? Um, We're the single largest producers of Botox in the world, I think. Yeah, way, way up there, you know. And there's actually three big cosmetic companies now uh, who do not do animal testing at all. Okay, they use alternative methods. Uh, for producing their Botox. But on grounds of commercial sensitivity and protection of private profit, uh, they refuse to share the secrets of that uh, with the competition. Uh, And the result is that the majority of the big Botox companies uh, do do animal testing, mainly on mice. Uh, and that is big business in Ireland, big companies here. But that's an interesting one as well, because if you take Botox, uh, Botox is thought of, of as exclusively cosmetic, but Botox has significant medical application, particularly in, in controlling things like hyperperspiration and other illnesses. And that's how they get around it. There, there was uh, a, No, but just on that, again, how, how do you, do you not justify it by saying, well, if you're going to put botulism in somebody, better try it on a mouse first. Yeah, there, there was a, a European Union directive, which is 10 years old this year, Uh, which um, bans uh, animal testing for cosmetic purposes, right? Um, But Botox is not legally considered as cosmetic because it's injected rather than applied to the skin. And a small amount of the Botox, I don't have the percentages, will go towards the medical procedures. The vast bulk Mm. will go towards the cosmetic 
side of things, um, you'd have to find a way of separating the two out. Um, uh, but if you if you could do that, you'd uh, you'd get rid of the vast bulk of the cruelty there. What about the argument, Regina, that people will say, "Well, look, if you take a chicken, you go to this, this afternoon and think we're going to have a roast chicken for dinner. That chicken is basically six weeks old. The bones are pink because it's still a juvenile, effectively, and we go through." millions of them per annum. So if we're willing to do that just to feed ourselves of an afternoon, does it matter much if we test cosmetics on them? You see, I think it does. And so it's not just to feed yourself. The human chain obviously needs food and we've decided and evolved, you know, from beans and rice, obviously, right up to very sophisticated uh, menus. You know what I think is interesting, just from listening to Mick and one of the gentlemen on the Vox Pop, there obviously is a hierarchy of, you know, obviously humans first and foremost, but then there's a hierarchy in the animal world where, you know, nobody would contemplate harming a little rabbit or an elephant or a giraffe and we all abhor when we see you know yeah, but rats shoot. were fair game but you know the gentleman the said well you wouldn't mind it on rats and so you know the poor old rats and I know there's gazillions of them in the world but actually it shouldn't be about the, the type of animal it should be about the ethics or the morality of it and so if it's not okay to do it to a beautiful giraffe with his long lovely eyelashes then it shouldn't be okay you know to test something for profit um, off uh, any kind of an animal. There there may be a case, and it's a very small case, particularly when we do have major medical research involving participating, you know, and cognitively aware humans, why you would need to use um, defenceless animals who have no part in, you know, allowing themselves to be put forward. Because um, it's not right. And it's definitely and absolutely not right when we're developing stuff, you know, for, for whims of people, whether it's eyelashes or Botox or, you know, whatever. But even on the medical side, if you make the argument that the medical side is OK, the for-profit thing is an issue because of companies, if they, if they get a patented medicine for 15 years, they use it for a profit motive for which animals had to suffer. They do, but in, a, in an awful lot of those cases, and particularly for rare diseases, when you look at trials, they're actually done with people who are suffering from the disease that they're trying to cure. And then when they do come up with the patent, you can see there was a young lady on the radio the other day, um, only in her late teens, talking about the fact that the drug that she needs would cost, just for her, one million quid a year. And she's a little brother who has the same disease and he would be a million quid. So there is an enormous profit until obviously the, you know, the patents run out. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the ethics of whether it's okay to do something whether it's for medicine or profit on a defenceless animal mm. who doesn't have any part in the, the big, big, okaying myself to be in the process. The big, big um, corporations uh, who are big into animal testing uh, are some of the, the most profitable corporations uh, in the world. Um, Novartis, 24 billion US dollars profit last year. Um, Pfizer, 22 billion. Johnson & Johnson, 21 billion. Uh these are the corporations that are making the big profits from the animal testing. And, um, you know, some people mightn't agree with, with the, the, the points that have been raised in the discussion today. But essentially what's coming across in this discussion is if it's essential medicine uh, for human beings, uh, well, OK, if necessary, but everything else should be out, which means nearly 90 percent of what goes on. Of course, your big difficulty then is how do you know what's going to be essential until you test it? Because a lot of the things that get tested turn out not to be of any use. It is one of the those rare moments where common ground is exactly what has been discovered at the end of this. Before we do we wrap up, Mick, I do have to ask you about the uh, comments that you made earlier on in respect of the uh, housing ban, because or rather the eviction ban, because you were suggesting that people who receive notices to quit should effectively refuse them and remain in situ, even if they're subject to eviction. Just to ask, is it appropriate for somebody whose job it is to legislate to encourage people to break the law? It's appropriate for someone who legislates to encourage people not to make themselves homeless. Um, 
I'm not saying in every case that someone who receives an eviction order should overhold. But if you receive an eviction notice, and particularly if you've got a family and kids, um, and your only alternative is homelessness and emergency homeless accommodation, yes, I would encourage people to overhold. And it's it's not a... uh, a criminal act to do that. It's a dispute between, it's a you, and between you and your It'll landlord. It'll go to the Residential Tennessee Board and it will take some time. Mick Barry, thank you very much. That is Mick Barry, Socialist TD for Cork North Central and member of the Oireachtas Finance Committee. And thank you as well to Regina Doherty, uh, Fine Gael Senator and soon to be absolute expert on ethics if all things go well with the degree. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.